Hello, 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 and welcome to the um, Full Quota podcast, the weekly edition of the Full Quota podcast. Uh, we're on every Tuesday, and so myself and Tim are here to take you through um, this week's edition of the Full Quota podcast. We have a special guest lined up for you um, for this podcast, and so we're very excited to bring him on. Um, but before we continue um, with anything, um, we'd like um, for you to remember that you can like and subscribe to this podcast. Um, but most importantly, do uh, tweet into us at Gurilese, G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A-S-A, and at One World Sports Radio, One World SR on Twitter. But most importantly, please do press the like button on this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let me just uh, give you a sense of where you can interact with us, um, mostly on this podcast. Um, on the, what, the various One World Sports Radio platforms. We're active on all of those. So if you send us messages, we will reply. Um, so uh, ideally today, we've got, we do have a special guest. Uh, Tim, thank you very much for organizing. We have Mr. Roland Butcher um, with us, who um, is known around the world as the first black cric cricketer to represent England in international cricket. However, he ha has is born in Barbados. Um, and is currently working in the Caribbean and has been in the Caribbean for a couple of, for, for, for a few decades, um, looking at West Indian cricket and and and, and being a part of, 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 of those structures in that side. Um, Mr. Butcher played three tests for England and three ODIs, um, and he also had 12,000 first-class runs and 4,800 list A runs, which is uh, a whole lot more than the rest of us, myself and Tim, have combined. So welcome, Mr. Butcher. Thank you very much for joining us on the Full Quota podcast. Gentlemen, great to be here, and it's a pleasure. Looking forward to the show. Thank you very much, Mr. Butcher. Um, as you mentioned in our little introductions, you you, you alluded to us being very happy at, at winning a test series uh, as South Africans, which uh, I think we are because we haven't won test series in a while. It's been four years since we won a test series away from home. But um, how are you, how did you view this test series in, in, um, as, a, as a general cricket watcher and possibly a supporter of the West Indies? Well, I think first and foremost, the test series really was an examination of how far West Indies cricket has come in the last year or so. I always expected that it would be a very, very tough series for them. The only question was going to be whether uh, West Indies could perform against uh, an important South African ball in lineup, something they didn't really have to face in the last two series against Bangladesh and against Sri Lanka. Obviously, the winning in Bangladesh was a fantastic performance based on the fact that many teams don't win in Bangladesh, even though West Indies took a new team. Um, and really what they did there surprised, I guess, everyone in the Caribbean in terms of their performances individually and as a team. And then more importantly, to win the series. That was followed by a series against Sri Lanka, um, which ended in, a, in a, a drawn series. And again, you know, Sri Lanka, a slight in transition, a bit better than Bangladesh, but not of the caliber of someone like South Africa, who, even though despite the problems that South Africa would have been encountering in the last six months, etc., 
in response to the problems with the, the board and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, when you look at the two teams, um, you always felt that South Africa was going to give a very good account of themselves. And the only question for me was whether West Indies would be able to play to the standard um, to give South Africa a run for their money. And you saw actually what happened um, in, in, the two, in the two test matches. Okay, thank you very much. And I think I think to start off with it, and Tim can come in through back on the back end. At the beginning of the series, I think we've seen throughout the decades West Indies cricket going through different phases, and especially at the start of 2010, it was a bit of a new rebuild. Um, and then when Jason Holder took over, there was also some sort of a, a, a another rebuild um, in, in in that Test lineup. Where does West Indies cricket find itself, especially along the format? Um, um, in test cricket? Because it seems like it's a bit of a tricky situation. Well, it's more than tricky. Um, it's a dire situation, really. Um, in actual fact, you can see they're, they're really struggling. Um, I think at this moment in time, you know, it is possible that they could win a test match against a higher-ranked team, but that to win a series against a higher-ranked team at this point, really our team I think the biggest problem for it certainly now has been the, the batting, really. They haven't really produced the quality of batsmen that you associate with West Indies cricket of the past. And that really has been something that has let the team down consistently um, in all series. And again, it was evident in this series that the batting really was not up to standard. The bowling held its own, but... You know, when it runs in every inning, so um, um, Roland, you there? Yes, I'm still here. I, I can see. Okay, okay. okay. We, we, we lost you a bit for that last sentence. We may lost you as well. But what, I, what I was saying is that because of the, the poor batting um, by the West Indies side, it means that, you know, the work done by the fast bowlers for the West Indies um, really doesn't put them in a position where they can win games because you're getting ball up cheaply. So the bowlers are under pressure right from the beginning. They're doing a pretty good job, but because runs are not on the board, you know, it makes their task almost impossible. And that's proven again in this series in all four innings where West Indies were only able to put together one half-century partnership in the entire series. 150 scored in the series and didn't score 200 runs in an innings. Test matches with those sort of performances. So, you know, the problem squarely is on the shoulders of the batsmen. And really, they have got to shoulder all that blame for the two test series, the two test match losses. Why did you think there's such a gap between performances in the 24 match and the test format? I think it's quite simple. The test match format is what it is. It's a test. Um, obviously, it's played over five days. It's played with a different ball, a red ball. Um, the Duke's ball is a ball that swings and moves off the scene. Um, stays shiny for much longer. 
batsmen tend to leave a lot more deliveries in test cricket. Um, there's slips and gullies in place. And batsmen, because of the length of time of the game, um, invariably is very cautious in the way they play. Now, if you change to white ball cricket, which is the complete opposite, um, you have a white ball that doesn't stay um, long. It doesn't stay shiny for very long. Bowlers tend to be bowling more negatively than, than attacking. You've got no slips and gullies in place for any periods of time. Uh, you've got limited number of persons, obviously, you can put in the outfield, etc., etc., particularly in the power playovers. So it's all set up really white ball cricket for batsmen to be very aggressive and expansive. And in many ways, batsmen can play a carefree sort of game. And, and they'll get away with it because edges doesn't carry to slips because there's no slips. Um, so they can go for the big drive where, as you saw in the test matches, you go for the big drive and there's three slips in the gully waiting. You don't quite get it right. The ball moves away, gets the outside edge and you're caught. So those are the differences why West Indies can be more competitive in a white ball game. Um, they've got generally you know, power hitters. And as you know, in white ball cricket, particularly T20 cricket, the, the boundaries are generally smaller than normal cricket for the obvious reasons. They're looking for the entertainment factor. And, you know, batsmen are able to clear the boundaries more easily in white ball cricket than they can in, in test cricket. So, but in test cricket, your technique really, your, your technique comes under scrutiny. And, um, you know, they have been found wanting really in the test match. Being able to survive um, good sustained fast bowling for a period of time has proven to be a real problem. I think, I think that's a interesting one um, point that you make in terms of being able to sustain good fast bowling for a very long period of time. I'm going to take you back to probably when you were playing and then probably bring it closer to uh, to today. How has the first class game transformed, and that's the longer the four day game transformed um, in in West Indies over time? Because West Indies produced a world beating team um, in 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 the seventies and eighties and, and early nineties, but somehow that seemingly has decreased. Has 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 what is the cause of that? Is it a, is it the level of quality or? Or the level of of quantity of players coming through the system that may not be enough, and then so you, it it, it just decreases the quality of the cricket. There are many reasons. Um, what I would say back in the, certainly the time when I played in the seventies, eighties, nineties, the cricket was certainly a lot tougher and and better in the Caribbean. What I would also say is that during that period, you also played on better pitches. And when I say better pitches, you had much quicker bouncier pitches the bunks was true there were a lot of fast bowlers so you know it's something that you played on on a regular basis so you became used to it and obviously the players were able to perform i think what has happened over the last 25 years or so um the pitches in the caribbean generally has been pretty poor actually they've been very slow low not good for fast bowling not good for batting um has been dominated regional regionally by spinners and not particularly good spinners kids in these conditions that's happened for 25 years so really our batsmen have had no practice against you know quality fast bowling on 
international pitches. In the last couple of years, there have been an effort to try and improve the standard of first-class pitches in the, re in the region. And the pitch you saw in St. Lucia, for me, that's the type of pitch that we need to produce around the Caribbean more often so that players get used to playing on those pitches so that when they come into the test match, it's nothing new. Um, when they come into test matches here, particularly in this two test match series, it looked as if, you know, this is the first time they were playing on this sort of surface. And in most cases, it is, it is because the pitches are not generally like that. So it's also a disadvantage to the West Indies. Uh, obviously, it's an advantage that their bowlers can bowl on those surfaces, but the batsmen really struggle, and, and you saw it um, in this series. Now, if I take you back years ago, as I said, I think also there was a better quality of player around at that time, and there were many reasons for that, not just because the competition in the region was so, so strong, but all the players taking part were true professionals in the sense that nearly all of them played their trade in somewhere like, like, like England, where they were playing for counties um, as, as first-class cricketers. And, 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 and many of them actually went to England in terms of playing in the leagues, learning their craft, and then getting a county contract. Obviously, they then perform well in county cricket, which not just the cricket itself, but the fact that they had to become professional cricketers because back then in the Caribbean, really cricket was very much an amateur sport in terms of, you know, you just play the game, but you didn't really understand what it was like to be a professional. But playing in England, where in most cases, obviously you're 4,000 miles away from home, um, you've got to look after yourself, you, you, you're practicing, you have to turn up to practice on time, you have to cook, you have to wash. Um, and as you know, England is quite a big place, so you do a lot of driving. All of those things help you to become uh, a professional cricketer. And in the 70s, 80s, 90s, that very much was very prevalent. And that contributed to some wonderful West Indian players, not just the initial 11 players, but the whole bench in terms of reserves um, was very strong. But obviously, since then, you've had a situation where England have gradually um, reduced the number of overseas players in terms in, the, in their teams. Um, also in club cricket, where a lot of our players really got their grounding and then gravitated in England, that also is now becoming very difficult for players to get those opportunities because of the um, something called the managed migration policy by the foreign office in UK, which now places anyone who has played um, cricket for their country at a under 15, under 17 level. So someone who played for Barbados at under 15, under 17 level is now placed on something that they call the pathway to being a professional. So if that player is now 22 and they only played for Barbados on the 15 or on the 17, they're still on that pathway. Um, and it means that they cannot play in England because they, they seem to be on the pathway to be a professional. Now, the only way you can play in England as a professional now, even in club cricket, you have to be, you would have had to play five first-class matches um, in the last year. Um, so someone who hasn't even played representative cricket for five years 
has no chance. So that's really happened, and that's hampering the West Indies badly. It's hampering other parts of the world as well, because, as I said, that's the sort of thing that they've brought in now, which means that our young players who would go to England and learn the game, playing in Lancashire, etc., etc., mm. cannot be afforded that opportunity. So, you know, it's pretty tough for these young players here now, because they're having to learn the game in the Caribbean um, on wickets that are not conducive for, for good cricket, structures that are perhaps not as professional as they should be, but then those same players are expected to now, to now compete at the test level against the best in the world. Um, so the playing field right now at the moment is not very good for them. So West Indies at this moment in time uh, has to find a way to improve the quality of their cricketers because they're falling at this moment in time way behind the rest of the world. Okay. That's very, um, very interesting. Um, Paul, can I, can I take this one? Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess with that, with that answer, I'd like to know, in terms of, we hear a lot of uh, sports that are now overtaking cricket in terms of interest when it comes to the youth of the West Indies, uh, sports like basketball. Um, is that also having a detrimental effect to the, to, to the youngsters coming through the systems? Um, they're now having fewer players to choose from because they're choosing other sports. Um, is, is, that, is that also a, a something that's happening? Yeah, Tim, that's a very good question. And um, the answer to that really, yes, I think young kids these days have many more options than, say, during my time. Um, basically, when I go back to being a youngster here in Barbados, you know, I lived in a very rural parish. Uh, so the opportunities to play many sports was very limited. So basically, in, in the rural parishes, you, you had two options. You either play cricket or you did track and field. There, there was nothing else. Now, these days, um, youngsters have got far more options in terms of what they can do, they can play cricket, they can play football, they can play tennis, they can play basketball, swimming, all sorts of other things. So they're taking those options. And I think also since the, the 80s, you know, a new phenomenon really has come on the, on the surface. And that's the, 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 the video games, etc., etc., which now, you know, kids are, are very much into that. So that they're all competing for the same amount of kids. So, you know, some sports, you know, work hard and aggressively to get the, the kids, others less. Um, so really there has been a dilution in the Caribbean, certainly of um, people playing cricket. I would say the number one sport really now in the Caribbean in terms of participation is, is soccer, football. There's no question about that. I mean, it's not even close in terms of the numbers um, with cricket. Um, even here in Barbados, I think cricket, with our, with our tradition and our culture and our history, um, cricket is probably still about third, you know, because you've got, you've got um, football, then you've got netball, and then you've got cricket. So everybody's fighting for the talent. I would say cricket hasn't done a very good job in trying to harvest the talent. I think for many years, cricket has relied upon that history and culture um, that people would come to the game without being um, as forceful as they should be in trying to bring people to the game, where 
as you know, football has been very, very aggressive in going after these these kids, these talented kids, because you know, in the past, you know, the players played all sports. You know, they played mm. they played cricket, they played football, they played tennis. You know, they played all of those sports. I think also what is happening now is that each sport is trying to specialize a lot more. Um, so if a sport gets hold of a youngster, they don't want him to play other sports. And I think that has cut down the number of, of, of people. And I think it's also um, hampering the skills of those of those players as well because they're not allowed to develop their skills in other sports. And that's headed to reduce numbers um, available to cricket and to any other sport because of that individual sport wanting to totally um, control um, that young player. So those are things that really we need to address. But definitely your question is a very good one. Yes, um, people are doing other sports and surely at the end of the day, yes, I mean, it will affect cricket because we have less people um, available um, to play the game. Um, Roland, in terms of, as you mentioned in your first question, the dire state of, of West Indies cricket, and you kind of explained all the different facets as we've gone along with the questions. Can this be turned around? Is do you, What do you think the roadmap is? Do Does West Indies cricket have the right people to turn this around and get cricket back to what it was? Um, well, get West Indies cricket back to its rightful place, in my opinion, at the top of, of world cricket? It can be turned around, but it will not be an easy job, I can tell you. It's, it will be a very difficult job and will need a lot of cooperation right throughout the Caribbean. As you know, um, the Caribbean is spread far and wide, and in each country, um, you have a different problem. So that in itself is a problem, you know, getting the entire Caribbean to come together. Um, yes, it can be turned around, but, you know, I think some of the things that you would need to do in order to do that, um, one of the big things in Caribbean cricket is, you know, funding is very hard to come by. And when you're spread so far and wide, um, you know, the funding doesn't go very far. So they need to find ways to increase the funding. Um, CWI are doing as good a job as they can with the available funding, but it's nowhere near enough to um, certainly get cricket back on a good footing. I think also in, in the individual territories, um, a lot of work has to be done in the individual territories because in reality, um, Cricket West Indies don't produce players. Players are produced by the individual territories. And if the individual territories do not have the expertise, if they don't have the um, facilities, if they don't have the, the money um, to develop the sport in their country and the, and the resources in terms of coach, the right sort of coaches, et cetera, et cetera, if they don't have all of that in place in their own country, um, what they'll actually be producing is a substandard player that they then pass on to the West Indies team. So the role of the individual territories becomes very, very paramount. They have to get their act in order first um, from youth cricket right away through. So they really need some help as well. West Indies um, Cricket Board, they're trying to do the best they can. Um, you know, it's costing them an absolute fortune to try and run the cricket, but the territories... You know, they have their role to play. If the territories don't um, get it right, um, then you're going to have a problem. And in actual fact, you know, within the territories, they have their problems themselves because the territories most are made up of um, 
they have their cricket, each has a cricket board. And generally the cricket boards uh, are made up of not necessarily persons who have been involved in high level cricket, either playing, coaching or managing or um, anything of that nature or have been involved in high performance. Um, there basically have been people selected um, on the boards, maybe because of their popularity, where they can um, solicit um, the number of votes to get them on the boards. So you have that problem right across the region where, where the boards are made up of persons like that. Now, CWI are trying um, through a report that they had done recently called the Wavy Report, where they are basically trying to get the territorial boards to appoint um, independent directors. And obviously that has met with great resistance because um, <laughs> the, the directors on, the on those boards you know, see that they're going to be losing their power base. <clears throat> and there's great resistance. Now, if you cannot come together like that, you know, West Indies cricket is really going to continue um, in this hole. You're going to have times where they perform well, but in terms of consistent improvement, you're not going to see it. That's something that, you know, individually, those countries have got to say, listen, you know, we, we're doing this for the good of West Indies cricket. It cannot be about Barbados or Trinidad or Jamaica. It has to be about West Indies cricket because West Indies as a region is known only by cricket. It is not known for anything else, you know. Um, our cricketers have reached legendary status around the world. They're revered around the world. In the past, those cricketers. So, in, you know, a prime minister can leave this region and go any part of the world, and nobody knows. Nobody knows him. Or nobody really cares. You know, Sir Garfield Sobers go to any part of the world, and once they hear the name Sir Garfield Sobers, you know, everybody everybody knows him. It could be anywhere. Uh, so that has been the history of, of cricket in this region. That's why it means so much. Now, in the territories, I think really those individuals have got to put West Indies cricket before their own interests and look to, you know, assist CWI in getting West Indies cricket back on, on a good footing. Um, as you know, West Indies dominated cricket for a long time. It's so sad really for 25 years now that this team and this proud um, cricketing nation has been suffering and supporters in the Caribbean and supporters outside of the Caribbean, not just West Indian supporters of West Indian origin, but there are lots of West Indian supporters in other parts of the world who just enjoy the way West Indies used to play cricket. They're suffering as well. And really, you know, these the young players now really have to carry that burden. So they need a lot of help. Um, CWI are trying. Um, you know, the cost is huge. I mean, now we have franchise um, teams. There are six franchises um, around, but those franchises are all funded by CWI themselves. They have to find the money to, mm. to fund the franchises. Each franchise has 15 players, uh, 15 contracted players. You know, so CWI, in actual fact, are funding the franchises. There are six of them, you know, 50,000 US dollars a month for. You know, a board that is always struggling for money because West mm. Indies cannot make money because of the way the Future Tours program is set up. You know, the Future Tours program is set up in such a way that the team that plays at home takes all the revenue. Um, mm. While that may sound good, it is death 
to teams like West Indies, um, Zimbabwe, um, and, and teams like that. Because when you play in Australia, West Indies go to Australia, um, you know, Melbourne, you'll have 100,000, you'll have 60,000 in Sydney, you'll have 50,000 in Brisbane and Perth, you'll have another 60,000. Right. Um, Australia takes all the revenue, West Indies take nothing. Now you come to the Caribbean, um, Australia come back to the Caribbean, and the largest crowd we'll have in the Caribbean is Trinidad, which is 15,000. And 15,000 mm. people paying five US dollars um, doesn't equate to a great deal. You know, mm. and then when you go into the other countries, obviously, you know, and the cost of travel around the Caribbean is, is horrendous. So when you're moving players around, hotel costs, so West Indies cannot make money. So the Future Tours program really is, is killing them. And now for West Indies to have to find 300,000 US dollars out of their budget a month um, to fund the territories to play a first class cricket, you can see the burden that they have because there, there is no sponsorship available um, in the region. So really it needs all hands to the pump. It needs help from outside. ICC can play their part, but West Indies cricket really, I think they're in for the long haul and it's going to be very, very rough for a long time. Yes. yes. And, I, I, and, I, I, and I agree and I completely agree with you because in South Africa, we have the same issue um, in terms of trying to find funding for the different provinces and trying to get some independent people into the main CSA board. Um, I think we've only got time for one more question and I wanted to ask um, slightly one that's more relevant with the times right now. There's been a rise of, 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 of anti-racism sentiment around the cricketing world over the past year and the Black Lives Matter movement. And so I just wanted to know, being the first black man to represent um, uh, to, to represent England um, at that in, in, in a place like England, which is quite tough, I think, um, on, on, on black people. How do you feel about the racism, the anti-racism movement now uh, compared to when you started um, and, and your thoughts around that and what the players are doing to try and uh, bring it to the fore? Well, I'm very much for the, the whole movement because um, right certainly throughout my time, um, there was no support in terms of people speaking out during that period. So you know, everybody had to suffer in silence. You just did what you had to do and, and play it. Now, 2020, 2021, this is a different time. Uh, you know, people are now speaking out all across the world, not just in sport, but in life. And, and people are really saying that this is fair, this is unfair, this is injustice, and we need to do something about it. So really, it is now um, a global phenomenon that is going all around the, the world. Um, I support it wholeheartedly because I believe it has been um, under the carpet for far too long, and it really needs to be addressed. In terms of anti-racism, I mean, I, I basically am fully supportive of that as well, and I mean racism against um, all peoples, not necessarily black peoples. I mean, black people are discriminated against because of their color, but other people are discriminated um, around the world for religion, for all other sorts of things. So. I'm against all of those injustices, and um, I support anything that will certainly um, keep it in the public um, domain. Um, something that will get, that will remind people that um, this is something that needs to be looked at. So yes, um, the only thing that I am perhaps not too pleased about is that you know England as a team took the knee when they played against the West Indies, and in the series since then, 
they haven't taken the knee. And um, I, I, for me, that's a mistake because really what you should be doing really is showing solidarity for the movement around the world, not necessarily because you're playing against the West Indies. This thing is not about the West Indies or the West Indies team. Um, you, you're fighting injustices around the world. And I, I believe they've made a mistake there and should correct it. And all the teams for me really should be taking part in that. Not just cricket, you should really be saying that, yes, we need to do something about this. We are in the public domain. We are in a position that we can, and let's do something about it. And Tim, do you have any final questions or comments for Mr. Butcher? Uh, I just would like to end up on a slightly positive note. Um, I know Paul and I were very uh, impressed with Jaden Seals um, in, the, in the test series. Um, do you see any, any youngsters coming through at the high performance uh, like that? Because he looks like a really good talent to me, like the sort of bowler you could easily take over from Gabriel when he retires. Yeah, he's a young talent, but again, he has a long way to go. I mean, he's only played three first-class matches in his life, and two of those are test matches. So, really, he's, he is at the start of a career. He now has to really learn how to be a cricketer and learn how to bowl. Um, you know, it, it's going to be hard for him because he's going to be in the West Indies team right now that's going to struggle for a while. So, you know, he, he's not going to make the, the, the leaps and bounds that he should. Um, in, in another side, a much stronger side, so it's going to be hard work for him and for... A lot of the other youngsters that's in the Caribbean who, you know, pushing to get into first-class cricket and test cricket. So, you know, yeah, he's made a start and, you know, there's some others. But trust me, you know, he's got a long, long way to go. You know, he, he really now even has to go into first-class cricket and be consistent in first-class cricket. Um, to expect him to be um, very consistent in test cricket with no history of being consistent in first-class cricket. Um so we've got to make sure that the weight of expectation doesn't um, destroy him like it's destroyed a number of other players. Um, yeah, he's a young talent, needs to be looked after, but he's got work to do. And we've been hearing stories quickly about Nicholas Puran. Is How far is he from the test side? Um, what's the thinking around, about him in the, in the Caribbean? Those guys are far from the test side. I mean, they don't play first-class cricket. Um, I'm totally against just... A guy who plays T20 cricket or 50 over cricket, just bringing him into test cricket. Uh, it's a different type of cricket, as you know. Um, white ball, red ball, they're two different games. Um, it appears as if he's made his choice as to where he prefers to be mm. playing. Um, you know, if he makes himself available for Trinidad and he plays in the four-day games and he's successful, then obviously he has a claim. But for me at this stage, I, I don't think he has a claim. Um, I think people who are within the franchises working hard day in, day out to try to get into the side. Um, if someone who is not prepared to do that is, is just pushed into the team, then that sends a very, very um, bad message to, to the young players. So right now, I think he's a long way off. Okay. Uh, well, Mr. Butcher, thank you very much for your time. Really do appreciate you joining our podcast. Um, yeah, Tim, do you have any final words? No, there was a, a fantastic uh, conversation. It was good to get your point of view. Uh, I really enjoyed that uh, conversation. I just would like to thank you, uh, as Paul says, for taking your time to uh, join us. Gentlemen, yes, no. yes, it's a great pleasure and I've enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much, Mr. Butcher. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Sure. 
Um, Tim, how was that as we just add uh, Tip and Chris onto the stream? That was really good. I thought that was really insightful stuff on, on what, what's happened with West Indies cricket the last 20 years. And yeah, I, I was, I was very, it was, it was a very interesting conversation. That was yes, um, Tepo, yeah, you were backstage for the for a large part of it. What did you think? Yeah, that was a, a fantastic listen. Um, um, it, it's it's a great idea to get people uh, from around the world, especially the teams that we play against, um, and have conversations with them because now we got the behind the scenes look at at the whole system of the West Indies and and the types of um, uh, challenges that they face in in terms of. I'm um, just putting the team together and and on and, and transport costs. That's something that I totally overlooked, and uh, mm. it, 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 it's a very big deal. So yeah, it's good to see where the West Indies are. I hope um, that uh, they get a little bit more with in terms of development that side. We don't want uh, the legendary West Indies um, not to be so legendary anymore. Yeah, so gents, um, for the final like 20, 25 minutes of the show, I just wanted us to talk about from a South African's perspective your your review of the of the West Indies Test series, and then we'll just preview the T twenty series. We've got um just as a quick uh, mention to all our viewers, uh One World Sports Radio has you covered for the West Indies Test Series, live radio coverage of these um five T twenty internationals starting on Saturday all the way through. Um, until uh, the following Saturday, essentially it's a week. That's how quickly this game goes. Um, you've got, you'll have all these, all these guys on screen right now, and also members of the night shift as well um, for the second innings, which is always pretty fun. Um, so, <laughs> what do you guys make of that test series? How do you feel after winning an away series for? After four years, um, I'm going to start with Chris on this one. Like, what did you make of the test series? And what do you think of the win? Um, I mean, you, you have to be happy with the win. Uh, we did perform well in both matches and especially the bowling side. You can see, see that there's still some gaps and areas to improve from the South African side. Um, and yeah, I guess we have to see how that goes forward, especially from the batting point of view. The middle order looked, th that was our weakest point. But I mean, we, we won the series. We can't complain too much and hopefully we're able to address those issues in the future. And similar to what Mr. Butcher said, it's very difficult for it, success breeds success in that if you're a young player coming into an established experience mm -hmm. side, you're able to learn a lot more and you see the expectations immediately. I don't want to judge either Calvary or Keegan Peterson too harshly because they're coming into a side that's in transition. But yeah, they're still finding their feet and hopefully they are given an extended run. Uh, Tepo, I know you were keen on the W. You just wanted the W. <laughs> Are you just happy with the W or are there any things that you think that you're like, mm, maybe they could have done this better? Well, uh, obviously, after the conversation, uh, the heated debate that we had on One World Sports Radio um, during our batting collapse, uh, the batting obviously needs some work. Um, collapses are are basically unacceptable. I, I did say that the, the name of the game was getting the W and, and that was what we needed at that time. We needed to make sure that uh, we got over the line and we did. But let us not ignore that we got over the line against a West Indies side that struggled to to bat on the surface. If if we had a, a team that had a few more uh, batsmen that uh, put their hands up, um, then uh, 324 wouldn't look wouldn't look so good on the last day. Then that batting collapse, which I won't lie, at times it felt like you know the West Indies could actually do it with the clear yeah. targets. 
um, if they if they apply themselves, they actually can. Carl Mays was looking very good um, with with Powell in the middle, um, but the bowling bailed us out once again. And yeah, we can't take away from the quality of the bowling. Uh, we are so lucky to have uh, quality pace and spin bowlers guys keshav maharaj is the one if you doubted it stop doubting it he's the one there's no other spinner that we need he is the one um, oh, ravi saying that you ravi says you look like a warmed up jofra archer in that hoodie. <laughs> yo i wish i wish it was just for warmth they eh? it's the wisdom tooth it's tick ticks things here i feel like i'm looking all the time <laughs> okay so tim I think for me, looking at the test series, my biggest problem was arresting South Africa's big Achilles heel, which is losing wickets and clumps, being able to play the situation. I know Dean Alga said he wanted to play boring cricket when the season started, uh, when he became captain and the series started. Um, and we got a sense of that, especially mm. in that first innings in the first match where um, essentially Rassi and Quinton just slowed the game down and just kept on piling pressure on the West Indies. Um, the other thing that 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 that, that I, and I was happy with that, but then the problem, obviously, it's the losing of the wickets. I it irritates me and it bothers me that as a as an adult, you can you can watch wickets fall and you walk in thinking that it might not, but then somehow you do the exact same thing as the guys before you. Um, I, I know Mark Butcher said quite a lot. There was a campfire where the guys came together and they aligned and there were honest conversations, which I'm happy about. And, and, and to a certain extent, it feels to me that Mark Boucher had to try and do some sort of a, a restart and kickstart the fire to try and get this team going. Is that Has he managed to do that? Or will we find ourselves against better opposition losing games that we should be winning or making elementary mistakes as well, like we've been before? We'll only know that when we play them. We'll only know when we play the likes of England and Australia and India. Um, I, it's a good start. It's a start in the right direction. A win is a win. Um, what I thought was very important was the, what Ergar said after the match. And he's talked mm -hmm. about the importance of the buy-in from the squad. And he made reference to what has happened before and the fact that there was not necessarily that buy-in from the players. Mm. And I think that was a huge, huge you saw every wicket that was taken. You saw the pleasure within the players. Mm. You saw them together as a squad. They look like they're playing for each other. That is extremely important. There were there are problems, but how each individual uh, had an input in the series is extremely important. Even somebody as small as Carl Verena. Carl Verena is 27. In the context of the match, the context of the situation was extremely important, just as everybody else's contribution was. Uh, that buy-in is cannot be uh, just put aside. It looks like a, a team that wants to play for each other. That's true. Uh, I'm all for the Keshav Maharaj, Keegan Peterson duet um, <laughs> before games, just to rile up the little <laughs> bit of a pro-tier fire there. Um, yes, we're not an idle side, but we are a very, very good, um, uh, uh, very good. There's lots of there's lots of camaraderie there. Um, gents, Boxing Day is the next time we're supposed to play Test cricket. Um, are there? Will we see a same the same side? 
same squad or, or do you think there'll be changes along and you th- or, or, or something that will change? Yes, Chris? Obviously, the biggest change would be a fit Temba Bavuma and what sort of changes that forces from the rest of the side. I, I think other than that, this team looks like they all everyone there deserves an extended run. There's no questions that that's our best bowling lineup. That's really what it has to be. There may be some tinkering in, in the batting lineup and I don't exactly how the South African selectors will treat Temba's returning. Mm, if they follow mm, previous mm. policy, you'd imagine he does come in for Verena. But I... Mm. Yeah. Uh, Temple, yeah. I think D, uh, Cal spoke about in his press conference about him being spoken to by um, Mark and Dean and he kind of knows his role in the side. Mm. What do you think they said to him? Um, what they said to, to Cal Verena, that's actually a, a difficult question to answer. Um. It depends on, on, on when. Are you are you saying before the okay, game? Okay, let me phrase because it like this. Game, let me phrase yes, it like this. Because yes. they said to him that they, he'll have many opportunities in the two years, uh, well, mm. in the side, to be able to play. Do you okay, agree yes, with I that? See. Yes, um, yes. Because it kind of feels like Timber's going to come back in if, yeah. if that's the case. No, no, no. Then then I understand and I, and I agree. Um, Carl Verena, as you said, 27 years old. Um, he's just made his way into the, the international setup. He's Sorry. 20, 23. Yes, yeah, that's oh, part of it. 23. You see, that's even younger. Um, two years from now, what he's going to be 25. He had now he has hold up, hold up. He's 23 and he's got five three thousand first class right? Yeah. Come on. Are you average fifty-six? Yeah, okay. See, that's that's, that's <laughs> okay. the point. You see, the man is so young. when it comes to time, he has more than enough time to sort of establish himself in the team more than enough time to uh to wait for Quinton the cock to sort of just you know ah, just stumble with form but this guy could I, I be think... our section oh oh for real and there's nothing wrong with having two wicket keepers from a numbers perspective but then yeah. but then what, from... what i'm saying is what i'm saying is it, his position in the side if he's going to bat at number five you know that position's already it's, it's already taken but what we know for sure is that as test matches go on when someone starts to drop in form, then there's a rotation option, which I think is is a new way that we need to start approaching um, um, integrating people into the team because you do want people on the peripheries, not just to be on the peripheries for periphery's sake. They need to be sharp. They need to be test ready. And I think uh, Keegan Peterson and Carl Verena coming in at the same time um, could, could present an interesting opportunity for the both of them. Boxing Day test, Keegan Peterson and Carl Verena, I think could potentially, if Mark Boucher thinks about it, um, like rotate positions, or at least we wait until we, we find that, like, until one of them establishes themselves. But there's no rush to get him into the side. I don't think we need to force it. Um, he could he could ply his trade and come in uh, when Rasifana Dissan comes in, and he could be at his peak. But but we'll see. Mm. We'll see. If he keeps knocking on the door, he's going to go through. There's, there's no doubt about but that. But surely he he's already well. barged the door down, and you're staring at a guy who could score you in his test career between 8,000 and 12,000 test runs if, he, if he's scoring at this rate um, at first at class. First class. You, can even, you can even downgrade it. And so my thing is, the big question for South Africa was, we need runs. We need guys who can score runs. And there's a guy sitting there who can score runs with an average of 56, and he's done it for, he's 23 years old, and he's already at 3,000 test runs. Surely it's a situation of, okay, guys, maybe we made an, uh, 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 and, and this is me, by the way, 
giving you an, a situation. It doesn't mean I mm. believe in this. Okay. Maybe okay. we could say, guys, wait, we should have not have made Timber vice captain. Let's actually mm. give that spot to Kyle and let Kyle bat at number five for South Africa until the day he wants to retire because that's what he wants. Unless if unless if Test cricket doesn't work for him. Yeah. Well, so but, but then- give him give him an extended run in the team and let's see what he can do because he's because it's not like we're picking Aiden Markham straight out of under nineteen World Cup and hoping mm. he's going to succeed. We're literally picking someone who scored three thousand first class runs and averages fifty, and you've got a guy who's played forty four tests, averaged thirty two, and is not over being dropped. Yes, we've got transformation issues. We'll work those around. But for the sake mm. of moving forward, isn't yeah. Cal the answer at five? And it's not yeah. like Jambo would be being shown the door there. It's very clear that we have long-term plans with him and the white ball sides. Mm. It's not giving up on Tembo. It's just realizing that despite, I mean, when I looked at him, I always thought he looked more like a test batsman than anything else. But it's mm. clear that he actually has been better suited to the limited overs. Okay. We'll have to see how it plays out, but but it does it does it is very interesting. Um, and and I think thinking of that way and and doing a shift would be would be pretty smart. Um, yeah, and and also pretty refreshing as well. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't I don't think Carl Verena is going to be discouraged anytime soon. One thing that I, I also do want to mention is Dean Algar mm-hmm. as captain is the bomb. This was I don't know why we didn't do this a long time ago, guys. Like I remember I remember when we were still wondering who's going to be test captain when Five Duplessis was gone. And they interviewed Dean Algo and he and said, And we had those well, six I'm... options. Bruh, there was that ESPN said, article that had like six options. It was Tim Burrows, right? See, it was, it was Dean Keshav, it was Maharaj, Keshav, he throws himself Aiden, in. And I'm still Aiden Aiden Ah, come on, bro. But but Dean Algo <laughs> even said it when they interviewed him. But I'm the obvious choice. And I was like, yeah, he's the obvious choice. <laughs> and now, and now you look at it, and now you look at it. You look at the players. First of all, the bowling attack. When everyone else got wickets, when Keshav got that hat trick, that that last ball, who were the two guys jumping all over him? It was Lungi and it was Rabada. The bowling attack are like this. There's 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 an energy in the side that is just it's nice to watch. It may be just because we're winning. But even when we're losing, you could see, hey, bruh, it's here. It's here. Dean Algar, when he, almost, when he got to Kyle Mayers, that catch, bro, the relief he had, that, that was the relief all South Africans had. And that's, that's okay. what I like to see. So, yeah. Okay, now let's move on to the, 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 the T20 series. The Test series is over. South Africa finally has an away series win. And now we've got, and now we've got the, the, the Test of the T20 series. There's five T20s. All live on One World Sports Radio. Remember, we are a radio station, so we won't have live pictures. You'll have our beautiful faces on the one side with a scorecard in the middle, and we'll be giving you live broadcast commentary. If you don't want to see our faces, you can always go to 1WSR.com. I've got the West Indies squad here just to show you that uh, essentially they're looking to um, return a few heavyweights if it wants to work. Okay, it doesn't want to work. Um, let's see if my South African squad works. Okay, no, it, it, it doesn't. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll I'll read out some of the heavyweights. Um that there was oh here we go. So from a from a West Indian perspective, Karen Pollard um is in the side, Dwayne Bravo, uh mm. Sheldon Cottrell, um, mm. you've got Shimon Hetmeyer, Chris Gale, Jason Holder, mm. Lendl Simmons, one a, a very much a pantomime villain for most South Africans, is there, including Andre Russell. And Evan Lewis, who are all T20 mm. mercenaries, they play T20 around the world. Mm. Uh, what do you guys think of this of this squad? 
Yeah. I, for, well, I, for one, think it's a World Cup winning squad, by the way. Yeah, there's no, and that's exactly know. why it's yeah. there. There's no mystery behind why yeah. all these players are suddenly back. There is a World T20 at yeah. the end of the year, and it's that's clearly important to these players. Mm. Six, six okay. of them were, were there in 2016, so they've already won it. They've got the experience. So I think my question to you guys, looking at the South African squad, is what are you what do you want to see in these next five games we've got about 15 to 20 to about 18 games towards the world cup they start now on saturday um timber's going to be captaining all of them hano clausen is no longer going to be captaining what are you expecting from these this group of players um that are that are assembled um over these next couple of days and we'll go into specifics as uh, probably next week tuesday as to what are the combinations and stuff like that but just to start uh tim what do you what do you want to see i want to see a plan with the batting i want to see okay. an, a, a consistent approach when it comes to the batting so we have an approach so we either we go hard at the top six we go right we want we want 70 of those, of those six overs and okay. if it's three wickets it's three wickets so what? Or it's 40 for, no, 40 for no loss and you go big at the top six with the last six overs. I don't want to see muddled muddle thinking. That's my problem. I'm a bit worried okay. it's going to be a bit of muddled approach. Who opens with Quentin? Timber. How? Oh. Timber. I mean, the, the fitness, I guess, is still an issue on that front, at least. Timber. He looks fine. Oh, oh. He had no strapping on his finger when uh. they took the team photo. I have an argument. That's, that's that whole out. finger thing. That whole finger injury could, could be a conspiracy. I think they were trying to leave Timber out just to, you know, let's test two debutants. There's a conspiracy there. And he's Muhammad will tell you about it. Hitting the ball a little harder towards Timber on purpose. <laughs> the so so my, I, my thinking is that because Faf's not playing in this tour, Timber bats at three. And because we're playing on... on won't, I don't know what the wicket is, but... In, in preparation for playing on slower wickets, um, like we like the Lions did in Durban with Timber coming in at three, I'm thinking that Aiden Markram opens with um, with with Quinny as a placeholder for Faf. So when Faf enters the squad later on in the year, Aiden becomes the first reserve and Faf bats at two with Quinny. Um, I know Quinny likes batting with Timber, which is why I think we all went there. And I would love to see that. Then Aiden bats at three and Faf as the placeholder. I don't mind. Um, but I think that's where it's going to be. Um, Tim, what do you want to see um, from this T20 series? Um, I want to see... Competitive oh, not Tim. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm just sorry. going crazy. I'm just going <laughs> <say. laughs> yeah. If you could repeat the, the question then after no, that. Just what do you want to see from this test uh, series from the Proteus? I guess less experimentation in selection than we've seen in the recent T20 series. As we get closer to the World T20, we need to start nailing down exactly who the first choice 11 is. And mm. although you, you want to get some more experience into the backup seamers, Magala and Williams, um, in case something happens during the World T20, you really do want to be putting game time, giving game time to who you think is your strongest side. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm with you there, Mark Barcher. I want to see nine of the 11 starters at the World Cup, probably for the last three T20s of the tournament, if you're watching this. I don't know if you watch this, Mark, but if you do, I'm a big fan of yours as a player. As a coach, not so much, but I still love you. Yes. Um, please, Yet. please, please, 
we want to see, oh, well done on the test series win, but we want to see nine of the 11. I know the two spots that are available. Imranta, here's one of the starting spots. I, I, I think he should, he should start. And then the other starting spot is Fatu Plessy. And I'm thank God that the AB stuff is done. Like, honestly, yeah, we're, 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 yeah but, honestly. Tempo, yes, Chris? Oh, no, it's going to be silly. I was just going to say, no, so everyone please. listening to this tweet, hashtag and poor things 911 is a good idea. Okay. Don't do that. So, we need him poor. He can't be put on any watch list. He's important for the writing of this podcast. <laughs> and then Tempo, what do you want to see? Yeah, much like you guys said, I want to see consistency. I want to see our best starting eleven. Um, quite frankly, I feel that IPL robbed us of that against Pakistan. So. Um, in the last series, it was all, you know what? It was close. But if our real guys were here, I don't want to have that. I want to see how good we are. And and then I'll make my own judgments from there because I'm, I'm still, I still have a lot of reservations. I don't have any opinions about the T20 World Cup because I, I still don't know who our best team is. So, yeah, a clear plan, um, a solid plan. And I was starting 11, please. Of the, how, what's, what's your score prediction, Tempo, for this series? Do you think we're going to lose? Yo, yo, as in like um out of five. Yes, score like. That's difficult to say. Um, once again, because we haven't seen our starting eleven. Um, in the the, the series. Uh, oh, the, the good thing for you, Tepa, there's no beer in Hendrix, by the way. So he's going home. Yeah, of course not. This guy needs to stop. We need. Don't get me started on this man, Bjorn Hendrix. I'm sure you're a nice guy, but look, bro. Don't play international cricket for us. But as I was saying, um, all temples yeah, idea, all temples with it. By the way, yeah, one hundred percent. I take responsibility for that. Um, with that said, I'm not sure. As you said, tons of firepower there. Um, in the West, dude, it's out of five. Just give us a, give us a, give us a number, dude. Okay. What's cool. the score line? Um, three two to South Africa. Ooh, very patriotic from Temple. Tim, are you as patriotic? Uh, 4-1 but we're going to beat them in the World Cup knockout round when we meet them right because we'll have seen yes. them five times yes most and definitely we'll have, we'll have so it's all good and Faf back uh, oh, Faf if you're watching this all the best with your concussion my man it's not, it's not yeah. it's the toughest of injuries hey, that knock Ooh, sorry man Ooh. Chris I'm going to do the Glenn McGraw cop out 5-0 South Africa book it in no doubt <laughs> Book it so in, are baby. You on fire? It does look like. No, it. no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> chilling by a humidifier. I'm giving you that, uh, that smoke machine lifestyle here. So, Chris, you said the Glenn McGraw. What's the number? Glenn McGraw. Cop, well, Glenn McGraw. Every time there's an Ashes series and they ask for his prediction, he says five not Australia. And I'm so five not South Africa. Yeah. Out of boy, yes. Chris. And I'm going with you, Chris. 5-0 South Africa. Temba Bavuma is going to have a perfect record when he starts this thing. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be rolling into this World Cup like we normally do um, at other World Cups. <laughs> winning games. <laughs> okay, guys. I think we're going to just leave it there. Oh, yes. One last question. Do you think any of the guys was the supposed substitutes? Magala, Yanaman, Markram, Lazard. Lazard. Um, we'll, we'll get game time here or, or Reza Hendricks and, and Bjorn Fortain, do you think um, Mark's going to try and see them all or has he seen enough? I think we'll probably see some rotation. We're yeah. not going to play the, the same 11 all 
all five games. But you, yeah, some of those seem like maybe it's the position we find ourselves in. If we're four four nil up going into the last, give the other guys a chance. Do you think Carl is going to play now that we're in white ball? Where we're in T Twenty since he's like reserve wicket keeper number three. I'm not sure. Probably not. I hope so. Probably not. Probably I mean, we not. Really expected them to see. Him How play much money Pakistan are you guys willing to put? There's going to be a Calvarena question in one in 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 this entire series. Oh, uh, for Mark Boucher. Yes. Oh yeah, there's definitely going to be at least definitely. one. I can, um, I can put money on it because I think I can enter those conferences and ask. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of What do you think of Calvarena? Oh no, he's good. He's just a reserve goal, a wicket keeper. Oh, oh thanks, Mark. <laughs> okay guys um but before we go uh remember guys uh everyone watching and listening uh eight o'clock south african time you'll be hearing the team bringing you the first uh t20 international in Gren or we won't be in grenada but it's happening in grenada between the west indies and south africa west indies have their heavyweights and south africa also have their heavyweights so i it it, it could be a heavyweight clash but from a pound to pound perspective i think the west indies might be uh, running that score a little bit higher than the South Africans from a cricketing perspective and just a body size perspective because those men are just massive from the West Indies. Units. To close out the show, let us play oh, no. the full no. quota no. No. quiz. No. <laughs> no. I'm so bad at this game. And I haven't even done any of the... If it's T20 questions between the two sides, I'm in a lot of trouble. I don't remember <laughs> the special <laughs> T20s. How do you see, prepare guys? for these things? How do you prepare? You don't prepare. The whole point of the full quota quiz is that... And for all those watching and listening for the first time, I just ask questions that are possibly impossible to answer. Um, there are some freebies there and there, but it, it's what it is. Waheed pretty much nailed it last time. So we're all up against yeah. Waheed when he comes back. Um, so I've got six questions this time, uh, guys. And so with those six questions, as always, I'm going to ask you guys to pick a number. Tim, I'm going to start with you. One to six, what's your first number? Three. Number three. I think Tim's got a very lovely answer. Uh, question. SA's top three run scorers this series were Decock, 237 runs, Funded Dissonance, 125 runs, and Alga at 87 runs. Who was number four on the runs list for South Africa? Pekisabapada. Yay! That's the first question, and Tim has got a point off the bat. Kakiso Rabada with 65 runs at an average of 32.5. Tim gets one on the board. Um, Tempo, pick a number. But not yeah, three. Oh, two points on the board, yes. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I'll take six. Six, okay. Uh, number six is how many times in Quinton de Kock's career, has he been dismissed in the 90s? He was dismissed in the 90s in this last test match. How many more times has that happened? And so give me the total number. Uh, four. It's a good guess. Tepo with a number four, which is the correct answer, Tepo. Yeah! Congratulations. <laughs> you get two points. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Get in there. Hey, yeah. Don't run away. Don't run away. Yeah. Chris, what is your yeah. number? No pressure. Suddenly, the, the 
the expectations for me to be the stats guy on the, the broadcast may be undermined <laughs> if I'm I'll, I'll go five one for each of the wins South Africa's gonna okay. get in the series oh, I love to so Chris it. your question in the World Test Championship that's ended right now for South Africa which bowler had the lowest average for South Africa throughout the World Test Championship so no limits on how many wickets they had to take no there. no no lowest average no limit on wickets hmm Okay, this, the wickets doesn't come into it here. I can't remember anyone coming on sneaking a few wickets for no run. So I'm going to say Anrich Nokia because I think he's been the, the main guy. And Anna is a good guess, a good guess, but it's not the correct answer, Chris. Anybody want to hazard a guess between Tim and Teppo? I'll take it. Teppo, what's your answer? Vian Mulder. Vian senior player Mulder is not the correct answer. I'm going to give Tim a lifeline to see if he can come up with a with a name. Lungi Lungigiti is also not the correct answer. So the correct answer for that squad. it's Luto Sipamla. He took oh. ten wickets and an average of sixteen runs. Oh. So Chris, you are on zero. So after the first round, which we've got two rounds, it's two points to Tim, two points to Temple, and no points to Chris. Chris has taken now question five. So, Tim, what's your number? Um, you get your number one, number two, and number four are still available. Four. Four. Number four. Another World Test Championship question. This time on the other end, which batsman from South Africa, in all the South Africans who participate in World Test Championship, has the highest average for South Africa? I looked at this all day yesterday. I'll be on. Looked at the whole thing. And? Um. It's really it there's a time. It was Markram before the series started. It's not Markram anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, really God. Come on, Chris. Tim. <laughs> you said, huh? what did you know? Oh, yeah, okay. my answer. Dean Alga. Unfortunately, oh. Dean Alga is not the correct answer. Anybody else want to hazard a guess? Quinton de Kock. Temple says Quinny de Kock. Tim, uh, Chris? Well, so Temple's answer is clearly not. No, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll reveal who has the right yeah, okay. answer. So Alga right scored answer. the most runs, I think. Again, it might mm -hmm, be someone did. just. Mm, I don't know. So if Chris doesn't know, the correct answer is Senran Mutusami. He averaged 49. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Batted four no times, way. two not outs. In those not outs, he had a 47 and a 33. And the times he That's was hard. out, he had, a, he had enough runs to get him to 98. So his average is 49. Um, only played two tests for South Africa at the start of the World Test Championship. So... Tim's taking question four. Tepo, you're left with um, question number one and question number two. I'll take number two. Number two. This is Keshav Maharaj's fourth five-wicket away, five-wicket haul. Which country did he get his previous one, which is his third away, five-wicket haul? Okay, he didn't bowl in South Africa. I said away. away, so it can't be said. Oh, damn. <laughs> India. 
India's a very, very good guess, but not correct, Tempo. Chris, you have the open up. Uh, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is also not a oh. correct answer. Oh, Tim. has to be. Um, oh, Tim. It's, it's there. You know it. I know it. England. Come on. England. England oh, is yeah. close, but not the right answer. That last five we could hold for Keshav was in New Zealand in 2017. No, no way. Is that New Zealand series? Yes. He got six with... for 20. But I know, Chris, I'll check it for you and we'll try to okay. figure out if you have the right answer. Because when you said Sri Lanka, I was like, that's yeah, possibly it took nine. true. It took nine and that was more recent than 2017. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, because I'll give you two points because I remember that nine yeah. wicket hole. Sorry. I'll double check because okay. that could still be wrong, but the New Zealand thing's also wrong. We'll have a. Yeah, we'll have, have a, a check. Well, Chris, you can check for me. Um, Since we had Mish. Oh, wait. Okay, so uh, Chris, yeah, uh, question your now. question. Chris, Chris, your question. Okay, I'll put the phone away then. <laughs> I'll check it. Since we had Mission, oh, yeah. have been involved in. It's, oh, no. Uh, in on a hat you read the question hat-trick. i'll let you read the question for the listeners sorry uh, yeah so since your admission south africa have been involved in a in on one hat trick while batting as victims it was in the 2017 uh, test match at the oval who was the bowler on that day Ali. last three wickets congratulations match, chris you have two points and we're gonna oh, have to yes. check whether keshav maharaj took for you to take the three and i assume that you probably do have it. Um, uh, yeah, but, but nine, nine in Sri Lanka. Yes, yeah, in Sri Lanka. As I was realizing, oh, got Chris. an answer. So Chris wins the full quota quiz this week with three points, and Tim and Tempo have two. So yeah, guys, that's that's how it is. Well done, Chris. You'll be getting some sort of prize in the mail. Might be nothing. Might be something. Just always just go to your pause space on it. That'll be the first thing. <laughs> <I'm gonna make. laughs> Yeah, so um, I think I think from my end, as I try and switch off everything, um, if it wants to work, um, but from my end, fin- do you have any final words for the test series, the T20 series, guys, as we go into next week? Let's win. You just won W's. All Chris, of the W's, baby. I'd like to I see Rabada knock Gale over all five matches as former Lions teammate. I love watching him bat, but I wouldn't mind seeing him in the hutch early every single game. Um, no. Court Bavuma, bold Rabada. I want to see that. Or Court Fandadison, bold Rabada. Because the, the they Lions are all teammates. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. yeah, the possible Lions combinations. Tim? Uh, I'd like to see George get a good, good run in this series. Um, what about Bjorn? Is Bjorn going to be the guy who's going to travel with the team I, and not do anything? I'm a, I'm a Tim George fan, I'm afraid. Um, he was good against England oh. this year. Two games he played. Um, I'd like to see George Linder going to run. Oh, the Cobra's bias is still there. Cobra's bias <laughs> is still there. We see you. We'll wait for you and come domestic Come to the, when the domestic season starts. But thank you very much, guys, for joining. Thank you to everyone who's watched and listened. Remember, uh, please do like and like the video. Subscribe to the channel. 
And also remember, you can interact with us on these various platforms. Please do follow, subscribe, do all the things that are required on these platforms to keep engaging with us. And then remember, most importantly, these T20s will be live on One World Sports Radio, OneWSR.com, and on this YouTube channel, as well as on YouTube, uh, on Twitter and Facebook. So please do support us with that. From everyone else here at the Full Quota Podcast, thank you. I see Tepo's gone already, so cheers, <laughs> Um, Thank you very much. Have a lovely day, and goodbye and good night. Le sale, kakakiso. Cheers, guys.